Um, I have uh, four stories, um, a bag of something that we can see in a minute, and I have, I definitely have a point. There's definitely a point, but it's a bit weird because I'm, it, it will turn up at the end, but I think if there are points that I make unwittingly during this, I think you'll need to find them for yourselves because I think really that the stories that I've got based around this idea of Jesus and his community, his crew, his people. Um, yeah, let's see how we go. Right, can you turn me down a bit because I like to have the microphone there. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. Right, let's pray. Lord, pray for the next 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever this turns out to be. Um, we pray for the points if and when they come. Um, I pray for the ones that I think are there, but I also pray for the ones that you will make turn up. And I ask that each of us, me included, will be able to leave this place with something uh, to take with us into our future. Amen. So, my first stories. Um, yeah, so story number one is about Capernaum, and I'm only going to gloss through this one because I kind of think I talked about this one of the last times I was here, but I'll tell the story anyway because I think it's still quite a good one. Um, Capernaum. Right, I reckon Jesus seemed to know that he has to end up in Jerusalem. And right from the days where he was growing up in Nazareth, there seemed to be a draw for him to go to Jerusalem. Um, and if you head towards Jerusalem from Nazareth, you end up following the Jordan River, getting to Jericho, and then climbing up the hill to Jerusalem, um, up the mountains where my hope comes from, all that sort of stuff. And at some point in that journey, it seems to me, he was baptized and in the Jordan, and then not long afterwards, John the Baptist was murdered. And that seems to have prompted Jesus to just go, okay, not yet. And he cleared off as north as you can get without going into another country uh, to a little place known as Capernaum. So Capernaum, that's where he met and chose his disciples. Now, I, the, the title of today was supposed to be Jesus and Community. Now, I wanted to talk about Jesus' community right at the start. So... I might have changed the word community a little bit to the family of Jesus, the gang of Jesus, the crew of Jesus, the team of Jesus, the posse of Jesus. I don't know how to spell posse. I don't know whether it's got a little E acute at the end. I, don't, I have no idea. I've written it down here with an E acute, which I don't think I've ever written down in a notebook before. But the Jesus' crew. And Jesus' crew... One of the points that I'll make at the end after story four is one of the challenges that he set to them. And the challenge, if we choose to accept it, is to be his gang, his crew, and then to go out into the world. But let's just have a little look at his crew. So look, I've got a bunch of uh, holiday photos. This is uh, Galilee. and went there 2019, I think, just before lockdown all started. And if you get a chance, it is just mind-blowing. It's just a lake, but the whole idea of he was here, and you never get away from he was here. And even in the moments of doubt and the moments of what is all this, Christianity, faith, all that sort of stuff, Jesus is 
cool. And you're standing on the shore of Galilee, and it's just like, he was here. It's also very good for skimming. Um, this is a view from the place where we were staying. That was just magical. Uh, I went with Pete Everett, who was our previous minister, and I told him that I was going to get up to see the sunset, and he said, good luck, I'll see you at breakfast. So this was just me looking at sunset in Galilee. Uh, there we go. Oh, look, I'm on Galilee. I'm in a boat on Galilee. I could have looked happier. <laughs> Let's read a bit of Bible. I won't leave that there because that's weird. There we go. So, a bit of Bible, and it comes from Matthew 4, if you've got it. Um, otherwise, just listening to my little dulcet tones. And it goes like this. Let's just have a look at how Jesus chose his disciples. So Matthew 4, starting at verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And there's a couple of verses that mention those two places back in Isaiah. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So come follow me. Those were words that called Jesus' crew, Jesus' community, Jesus' gang, Jesus' disciples. Come follow me. Apparently, it's what rabbis said when they chose their disciples. Regular rabbis in Jerusalem would look around to see who were going to be their little disciples. And they would say to them, come follow me. And if you were chosen as a disciple of a rabbi, it meant everything. Because it meant you got to get taught. You meant you got educated. It was almost like, I'm, I'm gonna, I get to go to school. It was, it was a big deal. And maybe the people who were called by Jesus just thought that was never going to happen to them. The disciples that Jesus chose might never have got a look in with normal rabbi. Um, there's a, a, a verse in John 1.46. How can anything good come from Nazareth? So it's a little bit like all of the normal disciples for normal rabbis would be chosen from Sill Hill. And Jesus went looking in Chelmsley. I mean, it's not, I, I, I don't know, I don't know. I hope this isn't being recorded, that would be awful. <laughs> so I'm not sure what point that is at the moment, but Jesus chose his crew from people that were a little bit away, away from Jerusalem. He chose his crew from fishermen, 
and tax... Oh, incidentally, tax collector, and I'll talk a little bit about this later. Tax collector. Please don't maybe imagine tax collector is someone with a briefcase and loads of papers and a laptop. It could have been that Matthew was just somebody who was in a toll booth because they were close to the border in uh, Capernaum. So there would have been a border to the next uh, country, and he could have just been someone sitting in a toll booth. So this wasn't like high-powered position, maybe. So fishermen, toll booth keepers, this wasn't the normal folk who would be chosen by rabbis to be in a rabbi gang. So Jesus' community chosen in somewhere where maybe he didn't even intend to be, um, chosen just from the people who were there, and maybe chosen from a bunch of people who never would have been expecting to get that invitation. Whatever point you can get from that for yourself, please just find if, see if there's a point in there somewhere. Oh, here's another little point about uh, Capernaum. This is on the shore. Uh, behind you is Capernaum. And you are facing due south. So every morning when Jesus went skimming, he would have faced Jerusalem. And there would have been that constant reminder every time he sort of saw Galilee in front of him. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm heading. That's where I've got to end up. And it would have been there facing him every day. Um, This wasn't here then, I guess. But now there's even a pier that points pretty much directly to Jerusalem. So it would have been a reminder every day to him, that's where I've got to end up. Okay. Story two, the Last Supper. Let's read about the Last Supper and let's think about Jesus' gang. So Luke 22, verse 7, sounds something like this. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. And I'll stop there. It goes on to the story of the Passover. Um, Jesus and the disciples weren't Christians. That's a funny old thing, isn't it? Jesus and the disciples weren't Christians. They couldn't have prayed the prayer because Jesus hadn't died for them at that point. So Jesus and the disciples weren't Christians. They were Jewish. And I guess they would have looked Jewish. That's the way they would have appeared. That's the way that they would behave. And all of the traditions and stuff that they celebrated would have all have been Jewish. So the day before Jesus' death, unbeknownst to all of them, bar Jesus, they celebrated Passover together. Now, here we go. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they were celebrating the Passover together for the first time. Maybe. If it wasn't that year, then it would have been the year before or the year before that. But at some point in their not-too-distant past, 
that was the first time they would have celebrated Passover with Jesus. And it might have been the first time for all of them, including Jesus maybe, that they were celebrating Passover away from their home and away from their family. Now, now in 2023, in December, most folks will make some sort of effort to go home to celebrate Christmas, wherever home will be, or they'll think about it, or they'll get in touch with parents and all that sort of stuff. Even more so in those days, you went home for Passover. That's what you did. You had Passover with your family. And there would have been a dawning realization if this was the first time, all the disciples, one by one, would have thought, is he going to send us home? Are we, are, we, are we going home? In a little while, I'll talk about maybe Simon Peter being the older one. Peter, are we, uh, are, are we going home? And they would have all suddenly realized, I suppose, that this was their family. They were with their family. It wasn't just a little gang. It wasn't a little club. What they had signed up for was to be in Jesus' family. So I've written down here, it might have been the first time that any of them had shared the Passover meal away from their homes and away from their families. As the Thursday had got closer, they would have all realized that they weren't going home. This was their family now. This was their family now. Now, I don't know about you, but is that kind of sometimes how you feel about church as well? Um, It feels as though church is family and kind of long lost cousins and aunties and stuff. Yeah, but church is kind of family. If that isn't for you, then that was a waste of time. This picture is something like, the picture that we have in our heads of the Lord's Supper has been put there by Leonardo da Vinci. Um, There's a joke that says, um, yeah, we'd like a table, please. Oh, how many for? Uh, 26. Uh, 26. 26. But there's only 13 of you. Yeah, but we're all going to sit on one side. So this picture is, is from a relatively recent film, and it just copies that Leonardo da Vinci thing. Now, I want to suggest, and I talked, I've probably talked about this here before as well, but maybe, just maybe, the picture of the Last Supper should actually be a little bit more like this. Now, not quite true, but I couldn't find a picture exactly what I want. I've got an artificial intelligence app that draws pictures, and I couldn't even make it draw the picture that I wanted, which is a real shame. What I wanted was Jesus in the middle, and then a bunch of teenagers. Because it may well be that the disciples weren't as old as you think. Now, I don't know whether this is an important point or not, but I just find it interesting. So there's a story, whoops, there's a story of Jesus and Peter, and Peter's worrying about the temple tax. And it turns out back in the Old Testament, to pay the temple tax, you have to be over 24 or over 25. It's one of those. And this discussion about the temple tax is only between Jesus and Peter. There's only an indication that they'd have to pay two temple taxes for them and the disciples to go into the temple. So he says, go and find a fish and all that sort of stuff. There was no indication that all the others needed to be bothered with all that sort of stuff. And the bit that we just read about Jesus choosing the disciples, um, Peter had his own boat. James and John didn't. They were still working on Daddy's boat. And it may well be that actually our picture of Jesus and a load of old grumpy old men with beards is not 
the correct picture. And maybe Jesus was 30-odd, Peter was late 20s, and all the rest were maybe teenagers. And it would make sense of the idea of the Gospels being written in AD 60 to 90. Because in AD 60 to 90, if the disciples were young, they wouldn't have been 60 to 90 years old. They would have been 20 years younger. So starting to write the Gospels at the age of 40, that sounds like a middle-aged, sensible thing to do, doesn't it? So maybe that makes a little bit more sense. Now, I want to just talk to you a little bit about the disciples. So in here, in my little bag of tricks, I have, and I'll just put the microphone down for a second. Oh, hello. Those of you that know about this sort of stuff, you can try to work out which names are missing now. So this is for no reason other than just to sort of just to have this as a picture so that you can perhaps remember this moment and remember me talking to you and remember some of the stuff that I've said, I guess. But while we're here, one stupid story and then one, oh, interesting story. Here's my stupid story. James... Zed is James, son of Zebedee. Dan's name was Florence. And I remember being really confused by that at some point. And I said to my mum, is my nan's name really Zebedee? <laughs> right. <coughs> um, my other story about this... We, uh, yes, Magic Roundabout, there we go, yeah. We went to go and see Six, the musical, uh, the, other, the other day. Uh, we'd seen it before, and we loved it so much, we've seen it again. And it's about the six wives of Henry VIII. And together, the people of Alton Baptist Church say the thing that you're supposed to do to remember what happened to the wives. Ready? Go. Well done, Fantastic. Ready? Suicide. Killed, 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 old age. It's not a hard rhyme to remember. Um, these two, their stories are in the Bible. The others are in local tradition around the, the Middle East. So Judas took his own life after he'd realised what he's done. And in Acts 12 or something like that, um, James said that he was uh, killed because of his faith in Christ. 
the tradition of all of these people is they didn't just, it wasn't accidental, it was on purpose. I've written you a little list. Uh, Judas, suicide. James, killed by the sword. Peter, crucified upside down. Andrew, crucified on an X-shaped cross, which is why the flag of Scotland has got that in the middle. Philip, by beheading. Bartholomew, by drowning. Matthew, by stabbing. Thomas, by spear. James, son of Zebedee, by stones and clubs. Simon, killed by saw. Thaddeus, killed by arrows. Matthias, killed by stoning. And John, died an old man. Now, again... I don't know what point you're going to get out of that, other than hopefully just to remember this, and when the points come at the end, you'll remember me saying the points with these things in the background. So, story number three. Fish barbecue. John 21, 4 to 17. Whoops. John 21. Go. So this is after the resurrection. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals, there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. Simon, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Come back to some of those words in a bit, but here we go. This is the beach that is remembered as the place where Jesus cooked the disciples' breakfast. So let's just go through the story again. They saw Jesus. Some of them went swimming into the shore, and Jesus was doing a barbecue. Genuinely, On this beach, there is this sign. (laughs) Now, I wonder whether there's Jesus and then there's church and religion and what we've made it. I just wonder. 
Do you love me? Yes. Feed my lambs. How? How should I do that? Are there some rules? Are there all sorts of things that I need to worry about? Yes, no barbecues and no swimming. And I just wonder whether, well, I wonder, I know that for me, this picture represents Jesus. And this represents some of the things that we've made of the whole business. Now, I don't know if that's your point for today. Right, here's the warm-up to my point. So story four is about Jesus and us. How should we be Jesus' community? How should we be in Jesus' gang? Now, I want to give four answers to that, depending on your mood, depending on where you are at with all this, depending on your life at that particular moment. So how should we be in Jesus' community? And I'm going to read bits to you that I've read already. Some days, oh no, no, this is a new bit. Some days we should be responding to this. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So how should we be in Jesus' gang? Some days, we should be cracking on. We should be doing the thing that he asked us to do right at the end of Matthew. Those are the last verses of Matthew. And it was echoed when he cleared off into heaven as well at the very start of Acts. How should we be in Jesus' community? How should we be in Jesus' gang? By doing his stuff. Other days. How should we be in Jesus' community? How should we be in Jesus' gang? Do you love me? Yes. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes. Take care of my sheep. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. So on some days, go to the ends of the earth. On other days, feed my lambs. On other days, how should we be in Jesus' community? How should we be in Jesus' gang? This is Matthew 11. This is all red words. I haven't said very many words today that haven't been read in the Bible. How should we be in Jesus' community? How should we be in Jesus' gang? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How should we be in Jesus' community? Some days, go into all nations. Some days, feed my lambs. Some days, come here, it's okay. 
And then some days, and I've read this verse already, and you might not have realized, how should we be in Jesus' community? How should we be in Jesus' gang? When he's on the beach, he says these words. So powerful. Come and have breakfast. How should we be in Jesus' community? How should we be in Jesus' gang? Some days, go unto all nations. Some days, feed my lambs. Some days, come to me all that are weary. And some days, come and have breakfast. Now, I've got a picture to show you. It's a cartoon by a guy who's kind of given up being a minister and has taken to drawing cartoons. It's got a rainbow in it. Just choose what you want the rainbow to believe. I don't care. This. I'd like to hang out with you. So now what i got to do? Nothing. On some days, being in Jesus' gang is, I'd like to hang out with you. Now what have I got to do? Nothing. Now I want that to be my point. Jesus' gang, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and kind of Judas, I suppose, died because of Jesus. Some days our commitment might feel like that. Rah, yes, bring it on. Go to all nations, wicked. Other days, it might feel like, do you know what? I'm just going to be good to people. Feed my lambs. I'm just going to be good to people. Other days, you just might want to just have a bit of a hug. And other days, you want to have breakfast. But to be in Jesus' gang, look, here we go. But bloke came this morning, and he did this talk. And then the point was, don't do anything. If you are in a place where you want to hang out with Jesus, what do you got to do next? Nothing. And if there are times in your walk where you feel able to do some of the other stuff, let's see what happens. Let's go for that. (laughs) And then they played a song which meant he needed to stop. So I will, I will do that. How should we be in Jesus' community? How should we be in Jesus' gang? Some days, it's all about going into the world and spreading the message and doing the things that Jesus asked us to do right at the very end. Some days, we might feel up to feeding his lambs. Some days, we might feel that all we want is to come to him, all who are heavy laden. Some days, we might just want to have breakfast. And some days, it's just enough to feel that we have said, I want to hang out with you. And just to listen for Jesus saying to your question, what have I got to do next? Nothing. And one of the songs we sang just was, uh, Your grace is enough. His grace is enough. You can't outgrace God. The stuff that you do doesn't bring you any closer. The stuff that brings you closer is forgiveness and his love. You can't outgrace him. So on those days where this cartoon 
reflects the way you are thinking. Please don't feel guilty about nothing. God loves you as his child. You can't outgrace God. His grace is enough. How should we be in Jesus' community? How should we be in Jesus' gang? Some days, going out and changing the world. Some days, taking care of his sheep. Some days, coming to him because we're heavy laden. Some days, I want to have breakfast. Some days, nothing. Embrace those days because God is embracing you. Amen.